substitution. Too many men on the field. Saskatchewan. Gizmo has a block and the sideline. He has not stepped out. He may go all the way. He needs one block and he'll do it easily. Promise mess I wouldn't do this. McDavid stops up. What a move. Shoots. Scores. Everybody, it's podcast number 51 of The Outsiders, brought to you by the Macintosh Group at Remax River City. My name is Bryn Griffiths, and joining us, as always, is Robin Brownlee. How are you doing today? I am tremendous, Bryn. I got to ask you right off the top, though. It, is it 51? Because I am anal about these things. Ew. I thought we were at 50. Well, we were, but you know what? We added a special bonus episode on uh. International Women's Day. I hear you. Okay, and so fair we enough. technically are episode or podcast number fifty-one. So that is correct. That that I I take the blame on that one. I made a mistake on that last week. So uh, great reaction. We had Rod Black on last week, and we we talked with Rod a little bit about the CFL and the XFL stuff. But we really were all over the place with Rod. It was a great conversation. Good response. Got to thank everybody for dropping us an email. But today. Rod Peterson from Regina is joining us on the show. Rod, uh, Rod's never been, you know, has never been shy to share his opinion on things, has some definite strong opinions on a potential merger between the CFL and the XFL. But the thing that really took an interesting spin was the fact that Rod just didn't look or blame the XFL or the CFL for the way things have gone. He kind of took the fans to task last week and there was a lot of blowback, and we're going to get into that with Rod coming up on the show today, see whether or not his uh, his opinion has been dampened somewhat a little bit from the feedback that he was getting from people. The other thing that kind of bothers me a little bit about this too, Robin, is that Rod's got every right to say how he feels about it. I, I, I was reading comments from people saying, I'm never following that guy again. I don't want to hear that guy again. I love differences of opinion. He's got every right to express how he feels about stuff. I'm always disappointed when people say, I, I don't want to, I'm not going to listen to that guy anymore because I disagreed with his opinion. What's wrong with listening to a different opinion? <laughs> you know, there's not many people in the media business, Bryn, that know the CFL better than Rod Peterson. That doesn't mean everything that comes out of his mouth is going to be music to your ears. Uh, are you only looking to listen to people who think the exact same way that you do that agree with the way you feel. Not me. Uh, I'm dying to hear what Rod has to say uh, about the reaction to things that he said earlier about what he sees coming down the pipe with the CFL and XFL. If there is going to be a marriage there, Hey, unfiltered Rod is good Rod in my books. Yeah, I'm always a little disappointed when people say, I just want to hear people parrot what or how I feel on things. And I'm not like that at all. If I'm on Twitter or Facebook or on Instagram, any of the social media sites, I'm always interested in getting somebody else's opinion. I don't, I'm not looking for people to agree with me and I'm not looking to agree with everybody else, but I respect everybody else's opinion on whatever they're talking about. Before we came on, you and I were talking about vaccinations obviously for covid and that kind of thing man oh man i yeah. opened my big yap over the weekend about 
whether or not I should be rushing to get the AZ or AZ, uh, the AstraZeneca vaccination, or should I wait for? And this is on me. I use the term good stuff because my, my doctor's preference is Pfizer, but he's got no problem with the other one or the other yeah. two. But I opened my big yap and I said, I, I might just wait it out. And, and it's like some people, they really were upset with me about the fact that I wasn't just immediately going to jump and take the first thing I could possibly get because I, I, you got to do this for mankind. No, I got to do it for me. And then therefore it will benefit everybody else, but you have to do what's right for you. And I would hope that that would be the opinion that most people would have. Everybody's situation is a little bit different. Mine's different. Man, I, I went through a year last year. It's almost, it's a year this week, by the way, that I had my cancer mm. surgery done. And I don't like to keep going down that road. I'm trying to move forward. But you know what? I ran out of a house that was on fire last year. I don't want to go running right back into another house on fire. I'm going to do my homework on everything. And I'm going to get vaccinated. I'm telling everybody that right now. It's going to happen. But I'm just not going to take the first available thing because it's handy. I want to take the first available thing that's going to be good for me and therefore good for everybody else and the cause. Well, Bren, you know you know the deal. It's the old saying, you know, opinions are like assholes. Everybody's got one. Yes. And that's especially true on social media. So, I mean, I don't know the exact context of replies to what you said, but nobody needs to be coming at you at what you should be doing. I'd say the vast majority of them have don't have the first clue about your particular circumstances. Right. Uh, and they are significant, just like they don't have the first clue about my circumstances. Somebody comes back at you with, hey, well, here's what worked for me. That's cool. Yeah, That's good. I'm forever that. You should. If it starts with you should, how the hell do they know? Thanks very much. Uh, no, thank you. All I really wanted was feedback on how everybody's responded to the vaccinations or the vaccine that's available yeah. now. And then bring it right back to Rod once again. Rod's got every right to say what he wants as an opinion. And you have every right to disagree with it. But I think it's good for people to listen a little bit. I'll tell you, and just stay in on this, because that way we don't have to murky the waters when Rod comes on. Here's my view on what's going on with the XFL and the CFL thing. And I'm I, I, a little surprised that, that the topic has lasted as long as it has, or is that surprised you at all? Did you think it would kind of go away quietly? We don't have a CFL schedule yet. And too many people that I know are telling me, don't be very dismissive of this because this could potentially happen. And the potential is a lot higher than people think. I'm not so, I'm, I'm, I'm not so sold, Bryn. Um, the way I look at it, would people be taking this seriously uh, if A, uh, the CFL wasn't in dire straits and B, uh, the rock wasn't involved? That star power, and that doesn't make it a bad thing because he's involved. No. If this was a bunch of business guys from Jersey, uh, <laughs> would it have would it have the zip that it does when you see the, the Twitter stuff or the Instagram stuff about hey, it's the rock? This would this be cool? Would you be in on this? I mean, the guy is a money-making machine in the cinema, so kids today go, hey. This sounds like it might be cool. It might be dog shit, but because The Rock is fronting it, it might be cool. So 
those two things make it different. I'm not big personally uh, having open arms for a league that's folded twice already. Um, that doesn't mean it goes that way again, but you know what? You've got to at least listen, find out if it makes sense. The CFL is at a position where uh, they're smart to do at least that much. After that, you got to wait and see if, if, it, if it stands on its own. More with Rod on this, and we'll see what he thinks about what the Rock is cooking. Uh, anyway, uh, the Edmonton Oilers played two sensational games against the Winnipeg Jets this past weekend. Those were really important games for the local hockey club. And you could tell how emotional the series was and how much it meant to the Winnipeg Jets. By the way, the Jets responded at the end of that second game. They were pissed off. This would be a great playoff matchup, a great playoff series if it was these two teams. But that uh, I thought that I thought those two teams showed me they were very, very close in talent. The Oiler net minding was very, very solid, very strong in this particular case. Yeah. And that's been a weak spot on. It's been an inconsistent spot. I won't say weak. It's been it's been really inconsistent. But you can see that the power players on both teams, it, that, that series meant a lot to everybody. Well, you know, it hurts. I mean, the Oilers went through the same thing, getting swept by Toronto. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's everything's head-to-head, you know, this season with the, with the structure of the league and the North Division. I tell you what, I like Winnipeg. Uh, you know, that top four, you know, Toronto, Edmonton, Winnipeg, Montreal is real is real tight. And I, I'll leave Cal, I'll make name Calgary fifth. You know, I don't know if Daryl can get those guys in uh, ahead of those first four, but it's going to be a battle. You know, I see Vancouver and, and Ottawa, especially Ottawa, as a little weaker. But you can't go zero for two or zero for three. Um, you know, the, with the series the Oilers have in Montreal, they can't go over there or they're screwed. Now they're in trouble and they're, and you know, Montreal's got games in hand. So, you know, you can't, you can't go over in any series or it hurts. Doing the math. I think the Oilers just need to win 11 of their last 23 games. So they basically have to play 500 hockey. I believe they're going to do that. You're a li- you didn't mention Vancouver very strongly. And I think Vancouver would scare me more right now. Than Calgary, uh, I, I like the Daryl Sutter. You can see what the impact he's making on the squad. But uh, Vancouver, they've been eight and two in their last ten. Thatcher Dem- Demko has been absolutely sensational. They're doing it without uh, without their big gunner in Pedersen. So, uh, yeah. but here's the problem: they're eight and two in their last ten. They're still not there. The team that I think's in trouble: the Montreal Canadiens. And I guess we'll have a much better we'll have a much better sense of where Montreal's at at the end of this week. After a three-game mm-hmm. series with the Edmonton Oilers, Montreal's got to win. I think they've got to win two of the three games. The Oilers, two. If the Oilers lose two of the three, they're not in a major precarious position. But for Montreal, this series is gigantic. So uh, I don't know. It's it, now it's starting to get fun because we only have about a month and a half to go on the schedule. But some teams just aren't going to be able to catch up if they don't put it together really quick here. And then the other problem is the trade deadline. The trade deadline time, if you're making any deals with U.S. teams, you're waiting two weeks for that player to get here. It could be too late. Yeah, you're not going to see. I don't think you're going to see a bunch of movement uh, between 
North division teams and the rest of the league. You may see some, you know, you'll see some stateside and you'll see some uh, far less, but some uh, in the North division. Uh, if a team that's, that's uh, not going to be a playoff team needs to get out from under a contract and that contract represents a player who might enable a charge down the down the stretch and in the playoffs by one of the playoff teams but you know just back to what you said about Montreal if Montreal goes over here oh boy now now they're now they are fighting off the Canucks and the Flames with the Jolly Rancher cracking the whip and that that puts them in in a perilous situation a lot of people a lot of them back east to be honest we're picking Montreal either first or second to, to, to start the year. And, and I could see some reality in that, but I tell you what, they struggled a little bit. They do have games, a couple of games in hand, like I say, on a team like the Oilers. But, man, you go over, and now you're not looking up at Toronto and Edmonton because Edmonton now buries you, essentially. Now you're looking over your shoulder at Calgary and Vancouver. And I tell you what, that's not a fun place to be. You and I have watched enough hockey too. Body language means a lot to me. I love, I love watching how guys respond to a goal scored for against their team on the bench. But Connor McDavid's reaction after the dry sidle goal the other day might be the happiest I've ever seen him after an Oiler goal. And he's scored a few in the playoffs that one year. But it just seems like they're starting to come together at just the right time. The other thing that I'm kind of shocked at, and I don't know why I am, because every year this comes up, the latest rumble and rumor that I've been reading online is would Taylor Hall come back as a rental for the playoff run? And I'm thinking, how does that story just keep coming back every year, every year, every year? It's it's a possibility. I don't see it happening, but it, it just amuses me that it keeps popping up every year. Well, I mean, time was to sound like a, to, you know, to do the Statler and Waldorf thing here, Brent. Time was, if you were going to write about one of the hockey clubs, you probably have had to have gone at least near a broadcasting school or a journalism school to write stuff. Now it takes a laptop and an internet connection. So, uh, you don't, you know, if you separate, am I seeing MSM stories? Uh, discussing the possibility, maybe a mention, but a lot of this is fan driven, and I get it. There'll be people in Edmonton that would say, "Wouldn't it be cool if dot dot dot?" And it, it takes on a life of its own. Personally, uh, you know, I don't know if Taylor Hall fits in with this group now. I mind you, I don't necessarily like uh, trade deadline rentals. They made a they made a big difference in that Oilers cup run. Let's remember that. That's right. We were talking, but not until the cup or not until the playoffs, you know, the two were Dwayne Rollison, who was very average down the stretch and then turned Superman in the playoffs and Sergei Samsonov. Yeah. Yaroslav uh, Spachek uh, was earlier in the year in, in January. Um, do you get Taylor Hall here? There's the two-week thing in play right there, right? Yeah. Um, does he help? Taylor Hall's a hell of a hockey player. I'm not one of these, let's hate on Taylor Hall because he's gone now. And, you know, once he's out of earshot, just shit on the guy. 
I just don't know that that's a fit. And I don't know that there's time uh, unless you do it right now. And we know that's difficult to do um, to get him here and get him in time and to have him make a significant impact. Uh, so I don't know. I mean, if I see it from one of the guys who I consider legitimate, then I, I maybe entertain the thought in terms of, Hey, is this going to happen? But with the, the fan boards and the, and the, uh, blogs uh no i mean i'm not seeing any gm talking about it right now okay we're gonna get to rod peterson and regina shortly we do have to tell you that the outsiders is brought to you it's powered by the mcintosh group at remax river city i was talking with brent uh, last week and one of the things we talked about said when, when's the best time to buy a house in the Edmonton market he says well really it was 20 years ago was the time when you really if you bought a house 20 years ago you you really struck gold but the second best time is right now. I said, really? He said, yeah, the uh, property values here in Edmonton are on the rise. And if you're a first-time home buyer, an investor, or somebody looking to sell the house you have currently, uh, and maybe you're looking to buy something a little bit bigger, this is a perfect time to, to make an upgrade. Prices have been rising here th- so far through the spring market. And the home that you purchase now will likely be worth more than you paid by the time you take a possession, even a month or two. So things are incrementally going up. He's quite uh, he's quite bullish on, on the market right now. If you would like some more information, get a hold of anybody at uh, Brent and or his team at the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. The phone number is 780-464-0075. That's 780-464-0075. And, of course, you can find them online at McIntosh Group. And tell them that the outsider sent you. Okay, guess who's next? We're going to find out exactly what he said. Why did he say it? Rod Peterson joins us next right here on The Outsiders. Oh, boy, I slept like a baby this past weekend, and I slept really well last week. But then again, I didn't go online and say something that would upset half the world, like Rod Peterson, who (laughs) went on about the Canadian Football League and the XFL and the merger, the buyout, whatever you want to call it, all the rumbles and the rumors. Okay, Roddy, I'm stealing a page right now from uh, Larry King, who would always ask an author why the book. So now I'm asking you a real simple question. What exactly did you say, and why did people get so pissed off? Oh, well, thank you, Bryn. What I said was, <clears throat> this is going back a couple of weeks now, or maybe 10 days, but I said, listen, if you didn't shell out the dough to support the CFL's fundraiser in 2020, which was that Grey Cup fan base to have your name put on it, then you shouldn't have an opinion on the fact that it failed and that they're going to the rock for money. And people got it twisted and took it to mean, you know, people were writing me saying, I've had season tickets for 50 years. Don't tell me I'm not a fan or I haven't supported the CFL. That wasn't my point. The point is what you've done isn't good enough financially. They're at death's door and you didn't step up and buy spots on the fan base. So now they have to go somewhere else for the money. So you shouldn't have an opinion. It's an old school conservative right wing opinion. If you didn't step up, you don't have a right to bitch. And as we know in Canada, that viewpoint isn't viewed very favorably. Rod, Rod, <laughs> Rod. 
if you're taught, I mean, and you just used the example, so I'll use it. If you've been buying season's tickets in this league for 50 years, if you've been buying season's tickets in this league for 20 years, it's a tough pill to swallow to be told, well, you're not really doing enough. You're not really supporting. I get the spots on the base, how that would help. But I tell you what, when a league has been as horseshit as the CFL has at promoting itself, uh, there's lots to lots of blame to go around when we discuss why things aren't working, don't you think? Well, that was the counterpoint, Robin, and uh, I'm open-minded enough to say, yeah, you, you've got something there. But the point is those decades of support clearly haven't been enough. And in 2020, the CFL asked you to do more, and that's purchase spots on the fan base. And maybe that was never going to be enough to save the CFL. But the fact is they are where they are. And fast forward to today, gentlemen, and it's a case of everybody's pointing fingers. That's what I see. Uh, the media is pointing fingers at each other. I think the owners are pointing fingers. The fans are pointing fingers. And they're not going to, for anybody to say it's not my fault, isn't going to get the league anywhere. That's what I see happening right now. And it scares me a little bit. And the other thing is, I mean, no, I'm never going to take Bob Irving to task. But I think he represents the old school mentality of three downs, 100 years of heritage. This shouldn't be screwed with. And it, it, it doesn't matter because they are at death's door again. And it's never faced a pandemic before. And that's the game changer in all of this. It survived every attack, I know, but this is different now. And the, the owners, guys, aren't divulging the financial, the true financial picture of the CFL. I think it's worse than what any of us think that it is. And that's why they are opening up talks with the XFL. But we don't even know what those are. I was... I was told by someone and who I trust, in, you know, 100%, told me that one of the teams went to the Canadian Football League. One of the teams in Canada said, we want to be with them. We would like to go to the U.S. or the U.S. and, and join up with the XFL. And it really upset some of the other Canadian teams. But so now and now that rumble had been going around. At least I'd been hearing it since January. Now we're at this point where somebody's got to say something. The Rock steps up and says a few things, and a lot of people are buying into what he's saying. I, I'm with you. I think that the league is on shaky ground. We haven't, still don't have a schedule yet, for God's sakes, and we're in March, right? So to well, we, me, we have a schedule. We have a schedule, but we don't have a draft scheduled. Correct. Which is supposed to be next month, and we don't have dates or locations for training camps. I exactly. And that's what's... That's what's got the players upset. Yeah, and and when I when I talk about a schedule, I'm talking about a year schedule for the league and how they're going to roll everything out, not just play the games. And you're absolutely right. But I don't see this as being a merger talk. Everybody talks about the fact that this would be the Canadian Football League taking on the XFL, and I don't see it like that at all. I think the XFL is only interested in three cities, and I think it's Vancouver, I think it's Toronto, I think it's Montreal. I think Edmonton and Calgary are bubble cities at best, and then... And then the worst part is, I think about where you're located, it's probably the best franchise of them all, and I think you might get completely overlooked. I'm worried. I'm not worried about three-down football. I'm not worried about live end zones. I'm worried about just being in the markets that we should be in and should be included in, and that's what scares me the most. But what about you? Well, we're at a, we're at a, we're at a tipping point in a way, and there's a lot of very smart people in this city that are worried 
that they build a $280 million stadium. I don't know if you've seen it, guys, but it is the Taj Mahal. And then it's going to sit empty to, for the rest of time. And if only a portion of the CFL merges with the XFL, oh my God, I can't even bring myself to think about that, Bryn. But going back to all one, when I had friends playing in the XFL, Paul McCallum comes to mind. He played for the Las Vegas Posse. I thought back then, wow, they've got all the money. They got the glitz and the glamour. They've got America. We have what we have. We should be partnering then. I was saying it, I was saying it 20 years ago. And I faced the firing squad. And that was before Twitter and Facebook. I just thought, this is a perfect marriage. Fast forward 20 years, that league's folded twice, but they weren't owned by The Rock then. Now they are. You know, and they've got billions of dollars in capital to throw at this. And that's why, I, that's why I'm saying, well, what took you so long when that statement came out from Ambrosi that they're entering collaborative talks? What does that even mean? If you're not going to merge, what is the point? Yeah. Well, and I tell you, Rod, I mean, it's for me the three downs, the, the tradition, the stuff that it would be nice to have. Oh, there's, there's stuff you want. And then there's stuff you need. What you need is a league to play in what you want. What you want is three down football. And some of the things that we've grown accustomed to up here, I get that, but I tell you, it can't be, it's gotta be all or nothing. I can't, you can't take three, markets out of the CFL and call it good because now you've killed the CFL. You got a couple of teams sitting there going, what about us? And uh, football in Canada is just in a shambles as far as I'm concerned. What about you? Yeah. Well, I, I don't think Bryn's barking up the wrong tree. I saw the uh, statement or a comment, a report that the, uh, the rock really is eyeing Toronto as a viable market for the XFL. But my vision of this is all nine teams, maybe 10 if you include the Atlantic Schooners, uh, play with the XFL, and it is a full-on merger. But listen, if you want to talk about the rules, this dawned on me recently. The cornerstone of the Canadian Football League is the ratio. Yep. As you gentlemen know, 40% yeah. of your players have to be Canadian. That's the stumbling block here, and that's the hill that they need to die on. If you can't find a way around it, because you know the XFL is not interested in the ratio, it's the government... Of, the, of America won't even recognize it. We saw that in the 90s, guys. As you know, maybe the way around that is the Canadian teams play with the ratio, the American ones don't. It's not as hairy as you think because that happened in the 90s and the games were still competitive. But I've seen Canadian players take the Twitter. I mean, we're in an age where these guys have a voice. Rory Colert, former Rough Rider and Blue Bomber receiver, said if you get rid of the ratio, it's goodbye to Canadian players. And He's probably right. I mean, you guys have been around the CFL long enough to know that most of the coaches are American. Yours in Edmonton is Mexican. But there is a bias against Canadian players. <laughs> the problem isn't the talent of Canadian players. It's the bias of the coaches. Yep. That's what needs to change. We got a lot of, a lot of hurdles here before the CFL even gets on the field this year as is, let alone 2022 and and beyond. So that's what I think that I said a task force should be struck immediately, put Wally Buono on it, and figure out how the ratio is going to be instituted in the next CFL, whatever that is, merged with the XFL. Because I think it's coming. I think it's coming. I, I, I've seen Glenn Suter criticize the notion of, that we've taken this too far and they're not talking about a merger. Well, Farhan is, Dave Naylor is, and those guys talk to the owners. I mean, I, yeah. Bryn, we don't know how far down the road we are in this, but the insiders are saying that they are well down the road in these talks. And it's not just what Randy Ambrosi said. We're talking about talking. Unfortunately, oh, no. I don't think that's true. 
I, I said off the top that if, if people think that this is just out there for fun, I think they're mistaken. I think this is well advanced. And I, I agree that the player ratio is going to be a huge issue. The other thing, too, TV rights, they've got a pretty good deal right now with TSN that would have to be completely reworked, right? And and I, and the other thing is, how would a spring league play out in Canada, right? There's a lot of different issues. I, I just don't know how it's going to get done. But the people that are immediately dismissive of it, I think are making a big mistake. Uh, I do too. The other side of this that I never really examined is, and I felt I'm guilty of this, just falling in love with the aura of the rock. The fact of the matter is the XFL's no great shakes either. And I've been on several American podcasts, football podcasts that have said the XFL does not have a great brand in America because it's folded twice. And I've read a couple of their uh, some blogs down there, XFL News Hub, that are saying that league is in complete shambles. They're nowhere near getting ready to return to the field either. So you're talking about two leagues that are in horrible shape uh, financially. Uh, CFL's in a little bit better shape in terms of the fact they've got their stadiums and their rosters and their front offices all set. But I just think it's a, it's a, case, of, it's a case of we're stronger together and uh, in this recovery world that I work in, guys, there's a, there's a saying that I love. It's nothing changes if nothing changes. And the word that I'm getting out of the CFL head office is they just want to use the rock for his contacts and his resources and his brand, but not really give him anything back. And I'm like, guys, the, the life doesn't work that way. <laughs> no. the, the rock, I think, is in a position to inject cash now. And I think he'd be willing to do it. Wally has said as much. He was on Ottawa radio saying it last week that the rock wants to preserve the CFL game, but he's not going to do this for nothing. And if the CFL owners think that he is, then they, they are really up to lunch. Well, you know, Rod, Bryn and I were talking about this earlier. I think there's a lot more acceptance by people who might not necessarily have skin in the game. I'm thinking of the young fans who've drifted away you know, the young fans that this league has lost over the years, they say, hey, I hear, you know, on TikTok or whatever kids talk on now, um, hey, I hear The Rock's going to be involved in this. Automatically, that becomes cool, whether it makes sense or not. The Rock is cool. The Rock is box office. Um, and he's got the dough. But like you say, he's not going to do it because he's a good guy, it has to make sense. So how, how do the CFL clubs get what they're looking for? And how does he get what he's looking for all in one package? There's a lot of work, there's a lot of work to do. Well, for one, we don't know specifically what the CFL is looking for in all of this. There have been very few details. So it's very hard to make a prediction on that. However, I saw a comment on Twitter from a guy that runs CFL Reddit. It's another website, Robin, that old guys like you and me aren't totally familiar with, but this guy's with it. And he made a comment that, hey, CFL office, you've got the younger generation interested for the first time in a generation. What are you going to do with it? Because mm -hmm. I've been in those CFL marketing meetings and communications meetings. They've been desperately for a generation trying to connect with that teens, 20-something male demographic that they've lost. And the point is, you have it now. You said it, Robin, just, just because The Rock's involved. But Dwayne Johnson did not become the number one global entertainment brand by giving away his assets for free. He just, he just didn't. 
And what I, I'm telling you, I got a call last week from a CFL guy who said, this is the thing. We want to use the rock, but, we, but nothing's going to change. And I said, what's in it for the rock? And they said, he's going to do it out of the goodness of his heart. And, I, and, really? that, and that's, where I, that's where I think, yes. And that's where I think, do they actually believe that? I can't believe that they do. Because you, if somebody buys you lunch, you automatically feel like you owe them. <laughs> you know, there's nothing's free, guys. So how does it happen? You know, that's for the guys that are that have the millions of dollars. I don't think they know specifically what they want. Let me throw a scenario at both of you guys and tell me what you think. If you had to give up the uh, an extra down, so you went to four downs and you made the football field smaller, but you kept the Canadian ratio, would you go for it? Probably, yeah. Robin, what do you figure? Oh. <laughs> it's not you easy. Know- there, there's no, you know what, the, the only, the, the, the deal breaker for me, Bryn, uh, and we touched on it, if there's no, if there's no ratio, at least for the Canadian teams, um, I don't see how that, how it makes sense for football north of the 49th. Anything else is on the table. Um, I love tradition. I love uh, the way it's been. It's, it's, you know, we're used to things a certain way, and that doesn't make it good. It just makes it comfortable. So uh, as long as they can get the ratio right, I'm okay. Yeah, they, yeah I want to say, and one other thing, there's yeah. three of us in this conversation who have all had to reinvent ourselves in some manner. I can't see why the CFL thinks that it doesn't have to do that. Sorry, Rod, go ahead. No, 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 no. It's, it's, it's because they have their 100-year-old brand, but I think more than anything is – People just do not like change, <laughs> period. And you, I've reinvented myself in the broadcast realm, but I've re- reinvented myself in the personal realm. And Robin follows what I do with the recovery work. And that's that's another thing we have in recovery. My best thinking got me in this mess. So you have to surrender and say, what do you have for me to make it better? I did that in life. And every day since has been fantastic. But the, I think the real key here as three guys that love the Canadian football league, the CFL has gone a long ways on saying we're, they don't feel they're a minor league to the NFL. And there's a cachet in the Canadian football league. It is a tremendous, huge brand. Nobody's asking the NLL when they're coming back. Nobody. Like I think one person's asking, they don't have the brand that the CFL has. I wish that I'm sure the CFL owners say, would you guys go away and quit asking us when we're coming back? Cause we don't know. My point is if they do merge with the XFL and become what I'm calling the continental football league. So the logo doesn't have to change. It's still the CFL. Can you market it to Johnny six pack Edmonton fan? Who's really going to believe that it is a minor league to the national football league because the Marlies don't draw the, uh, you know, the American Hockey League teams in this country don't draw. Is there a stigma in the Canadian sports fans' mind that they'll go to the CFL because maybe Bo Levi Mitchell isn't starting for the Minnesota Vikings, but he could. You know what I mean? There, yeah. there, there's that thought this, that the CFL isn't worse than the NFL. It's just different. If they merge with the XFL and become this Continental Football League, which would really be the American Hockey League of football, would Canadians support it? Would we get 35,000 fans in Edmonton to watch the Tampa Bay Vipers? I know I'd go, but I'm sold already. It's the average fan. There's a huge PR spin here. I'm not sure the rock is enough to get people to buy tickets to the continental football league. I tell you what, man, that's a, that's a $64 question. And you know what? 
no, no yes or no springs to mind for me. It can't be seen as the triple A of football. Um, the Canadian tie has to be strong enough that, and maybe it's something as well, it's not simple, but something like for Canadians having the schooners included somehow bringing that to life, not pulling literally the football away from Atlantic Canada again over the latest CFL misadventure, you're going to get buy-in if you say, well, we're going to merge, but we want our schooners in there. Um, I tell you what, though, it's got to have that Canadian flavor, and I don't know what makes where, – where emotion, tradition, and history intersect with – wants and needs here and now and a good business plan it's not simple um but it can't just be seen as a feeder uh system for the nfl it can't it's not going to work if that's what it is well then it's positioning then it's marketing and i don't know how else you go about it like i Brent, i'm not sure when you left saskatchewan i know you weren't around in the early to mid 90s correct when the american expansion happened in the cfl you weren't around for that were you, you know it's funny i had left just before they won in 89 so i knew everybody on that team right from Souter to uh to everybody to the two quarterbacks uh, ken austin and to uh, tom burgess so i had left just at, just at the tail end of the of the 80s but i'll tell you what the, the years that i spent there just showed me so much about the passion of the fan base there for everything. I know, but I get trapped in anybody in this rectangle, as we call it, get trapped in the thinking that everywhere across Canada is like Saskatchewan with regards to the CFL. And it's not. You're right. The, the, the love, the love is not there. And the reason I asked was I went to a game in 1993, Saskatchewan Rough Riders, Sacramento gold miners. It was uh Kent Austin versus David Archer. And they set an attendance record 33,000 plus just jammed them in there. I still have a aerial photo with the stadium. There was a buzz when the Memphis Mad Dogs came to town and the, you know, whatever, the gold miners, the San, the San Antonio Texans. I, I don't know, Robin, like I, that's my point. I can't sit here in Saskatchewan and say that it wouldn't be supported because I know here it would, but I don't know if it would in Toronto or Montreal. That's the next hill that the CFL is facing. The merger is one thing is how do we sell this to Canadians? And if only the Canadian teams played with the ratio, you would have a little bit of that Canada versus America there. That sure. would certainly help. That would definitely help. But I, I just, I can't in good conscience say how this would go over in Toronto when I've never lived there for a day in my life. We can't make Toronto care about the Canadian Football League. And it's obvious to anybody with a functioning brainstem that they don't care about the Canadian Football League. They, they can change stadiums all they want. They can do whatever they want. It's a big league town. I'm not going to sound envious of that. I'm from Vancouver. I'm not an Edmontonian sitting here going, oh, everybody wants to talk about Toronto all the time. Hey, it's a big city. If they see themselves in that light, fine, go for it. In many ways, they are a big league city with Blue Jays, with, with the Raptors. But, you know, you got to shit or get off the pot. Support the Canadian Football League or what's going to happen with this merger or get out as might happen. And thanks for coming. Good luck. Yeah. Well, I will say one thing about Toronto. What is it? 5 million people. Very you close. Can't find 30, 
you can't find 30,000 people to go to a game or for that matter, Vancouver, where, where the CFLs dropped the ball is marketing uh, mm-hmm. for the last 25 years. And I, I, I'll say this though, guys, 2017 East final, we were rolling into BMO field on the bus with the Rough Riders and there was tailgating going on around the PNA PNE. And we're like, what's, is there a carnival going on or something? We get closer to the stadium and realize that's all Argo fans. They ended up with 77, 20, sorry, 27,000 and change. Mike Babcock came to the game because he was a Ryder fan. He brought Mitch Marner with him, ironically enough, because their relationship led to a split. But they was leading all the newscasts in Toronto. So my point was that day at BMO Field, they were very close to a sellout because they had the stars there and it was a big deal. So I don't necessarily think it's dead. Yeah, it's a cultural melting pot. and They've got the most new Canadians of any Canadian city, I think. But there's enough people that love the CFL and still remember the old exhibition stadium or even getting 55,000 when John Candy and Gretzky owned the team. I, I don't think it's totally dead. It's just been significantly neglected and it's little things, frankly, like the CFL app that doesn't work. I don't even have it anymore. Now they're all excited about betting gentlemen. You've seen this. I think they've mm-hmm. single betting going to be going to be uh, legalized in Canada here before long, if it hasn't already problem is they're a little late to the party. You can't bet on games when there are no games. I'm looking at the March Madness bracket this week, and I went in one, 25 bucks for ESPN, 14 million entries. The revenue on that was $350 million at 25 bucks a head. Were you out on the you first know, weekend? No, I had Earl Roberts. I'm still going, wow. man. That, that's my team. That's okay. my team. So all I'm saying is, if you saw, I'm sure you did, Tim McAuliffe's monologue on Sportsnet last week. He said it better than I think anybody has. We all love the CFL. It might be too late to have paid attention. That's what he's saying, and nobody really argued with that. I, I gotta, I gotta tell you a story though, and this is this tells me about the the weird longevity of the Canadian Football League. This had been 1987. Remember who the general manager of the Riders was back then? 87. Bill Baker. Yes, and I was offered the public relations position for the Riders. Would you come from Moose Jaw into Regina and help us? We we kind of like your pizzazz. And I thought about it, talked to my dad, and my dad said to me, ooh, the league doesn't look like it's going to make it. That was 87. I mean, I could have had a ring, for God's sakes. I mean, but it's just, the the league has always gone through this. This has been part of the thing about the Canadian Football League. Ooh, I don't like the future. I don't like the future. All it does is, it's like a cockroach. You can't kill it. (laughs) But they've never faced the pandemic, and that's... That's the problem. That's the and when people say to me, people have said to me, Rod, why have you supported this merger for 20 years with the XFL? And I said, because I've seen it from the inside. I'm tired of this bill not being paid. I'm tired. Oh, we can't pay. I'm tired of living hand to mouth as a league. And it's very hard for Saskatchewan people to see when you've got many Cowboys stadium here full every week. You know, but what are you talking about? There's no money. I mean, I think there's a lot of leaders in the CFL that have some questions to answer. I was on the radio in Ottawa and you guys know Sean Simpson. He said to me, he was hosting and he said, Rod, why, if the TSN covers the entire salary cap and payroll, how can they not play if labor is your number one cost? I said, I shouldn't be the one answering that question. Ask the owners. The problem, Bryn, is that they spend more than they make. They always have. And interestingly, in that 87, wasn't it 87 when Montreal folded like four weeks into the season, completely throwing the league into chaos? Yeah. So that's my point is stability. I'm after stability. I'm like that older person married a couple of times. I just want stability. 
you know, and they don't have stability. And I'm tired of living that way. But I, but, but a lot of people aren't. And, and then another guy, by the way, who's a former <clears throat> there's a lot of these. So you won't guess him. Former player turned broadcaster in the CFL that said the owners are clinging on to this notion of the old CFL like grim death because they'll be gone. If they merge with the XFL, the owners like to pretend they're Jerry Jones and sit in their luxury suite and watch the games and eat their shrimp cocktail and have, have everybody kiss their butt because they're the owner who wouldn't want to live that way and crisscross the country on a jet and watch your team. My God, a merger makes that go away for these guys. And I think that's the biggest Im- impediment right now because they're the ones that are going to make the final call on this. Yeah. Hey, uh, but before, well, before we, uh, let you loose here, I, we, I, I want to talk quickly a little bit about hockey because I, I you're in touch with what's going on with the Western Hockey League. And, uh, hey, by the way, James Gallo, good friend of ours, is broadcasting his 1,000th game with the Moose Jaw Warriors tonight, which is on Monday night, so so good for him. It's no Bob Ridley, but that's still a nice number for him. But uh, what's going on with the dub? We we just don't hear enough, and, it's, and we're in Edmonton, and there's a team here, apparently. Well, what's going on with the dub is every division's back playing now, so that's fantastic. And we've got a guy in Regina that, that's the next Connor McGregor. Yep. You must have seen the highlights by the name of Connor Bedard. You I said call Connor McGregor, McDavid. not McDavid. Oh, did I? <laughs> well, he's the next both. He's better than both. <laughs> but your old nemesis, Kevin Gallant, has nicknamed him Bedski. Uh, he's 15 years old. He's leading the entire division in scoring. And he's not a very big kid. He's from North Vancouver. And... That's what's got people uh, hyped. I'm fortunate enough to call every one of the games on television. Right. And it's a shame that we can't get fans in the building because we're playing in a bubble, which is cool in and of itself. But in the Western Hockey League, they're all playing four separate divisions. Playoffs, from what I understand, are on the table. But they're just trying to get through a 24-game schedule, COVID-free, and then see if these guys are interested in sticking around. Because people don't understand, guys. I'm big on empathy. Fans don't understand. You see those teams for three hours a day, you don't see the other 21. And these players will have spent two and a half months at the University of Regina bubble. And are they going to want to continue with playoffs? I- I'm not sure. So that's what's happening, Bryn. They're playing. The hockey's been exceptional. Yep. And I'm very happy to be a part of it. I got to tell you, Rod, from the time we brought up hockey, the over-under inside my head before you mentioned Connor Bedard was 60 seconds. <laughs> way under. <laughs> and you, you came in hot, way under. He's a fan. I mean, I covered the dub for many years, as you know, and I've seen some guys who at 16, you went, wow, 17, here he comes. When you you get that exceptional player status, you've got to be really something special. Now, they don't all turn out to be something special, but this kid really is something, isn't he? Well, he is, and I think he's a right-handed shot. He's about 5'8". They have him listed at 5'9". He's not very big, and you're already seeing opposition players take runs at him. He took a hit to the head the other night, right in his face, went down, and then realized, oh, we're going on a power play. Pop right up, and he was fine, because he knew. He's smart. He's got all the skills. The funny thing is, Bryn, you'll appreciate this, because you've you worked in junior as well. I got some family of other players going, there's 19 other players on the team. Can you give a little more hype to them? Here I said, go. zip zip it. Your kid's uh-huh. not doing what he's doing. We went through this with Everly. Stop it. <laughs> this is, Special players get special treatment. Newsflash. God didn't create us all equal. What? And we're trying, to get v- we're trying to get viewers to our television broadcast. This kid is the real deal. And by the way, if I may, guys, 
what the people don't understand is the pressure. Sammy Cosentino came on my show and said the whole hockey world was watching Bedard in his first game, expecting the next Tavares, the next McDavid. And the kid potted two in 47 seconds against PA. He delivered. And, he, and he's honest. He admitted before the game he was nervous and wanted to throw up. Like, I, how can you not love that? And then he went out and delivered. It is a hell of a story. Hey, uh, well, NHL-wise now, uh, you know they're playing in the U.S., right? Have you paid any attention to those teams? Yes, because my favorite team is the Vegas Golden Knights, so I don't miss a game. Yeah. What do you think about this Canadian? I See, I'm a, I'm a believer. I'm having fun this year. I don't want to see a Canadian division again next year. This is enough. Uh, I, I was with you. And I, the reason they didn't, I think, is because of the size of the country and the travel and the late starts for the East. Yeah. But I've seen a lot of Toronto media saying they're all in on the all-Canadian division moving forward. I think there's enough of a push. That they'll, they'll at least look at it. Because, you know, in the, when they open the border, you can still have the same divisional alignment, but you'll play outside your division. Um, I'm not I'm not in favor of it, but I'd be willing to listen to why you think this would be a good thing. You know it's going to sell out every arena across the country. The ratings are magnanimous. It's just I, I get a kick at the people saying the hype is too much and people are a two-game losing streak. My God, you'd think it was 10, you know, <laughs> just because it's the all-Canadian thing. But that's what you want. That's what you want. So my second favorite division is the Mass Mutual East. Every night's a party out there. Flyers, Rangers, uh, Islanders. My God, the hockey's in Boston might miss the playoffs. Who would have thought? You know, so I, I think it's been amazing. I love it. And But who knows what the NHL's going to do? I thought they'd go to a 24-team playoff after last year, the, what happened in Edmonton, and that didn't happen. They're sticking with 16 games. So, again, the smarter, richer guys than us will make those calls. I'm just trying to enjoy it day by day. I like the North Division. The thing is, we've gone, we've got all now, and we used to have, in some years, had nothing. I would like to see it weighted where we had this Canadian division, but you need to go outside it, whether you rotate it and it's one game a year or two games a year, you know, home and away with, with the other teams where you can do it. I like it. I want to see on a Saturday night here, uh, you know, call it my demographic. I still don't mind seeing the Montreal Canadiens and the Toronto Maple Leafs playing on a Saturday night. I I want to see the Edmonton Oilers as long as Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl are teasing fans with this world-class talent that the Oilers may become winners again. I want to see them and the Calgary Flames have a real battle of Alberta when both teams are actually good, not when it's an old moniker from 25 years ago. So I I would like to keep a a good portion of at least the North Division schedule uh, and see how it plays out down the road. Well, I think it depends on what the NHL wants. One thing with the regional divisions, the way they are, it creates rivalries naturally. So, you know, those games in the Central, Tampa Bay, Florida, are are big enough games for those uh, franchises. You know what I'm saying. Uh, Vegas and Colorado are burgeoning a great rivalry. But I'm with you. Opening night, if you recall this year, was Montreal at Toronto. I'm watching it on Hockey Night in Canada. They're lined up across the blue lines. I'm like, Leafs, Canadians, Hockey Night in Canada. It doesn't get better than this, right? And that's that's the Canadian division. But does the NHL want that? I don't know why they wouldn't, but sometimes I wonder what these league deep thinkers are thinking, <laughs> if they even know what they want. 
So there you go. Rod Peterson from Regina giving us his thoughts or two on what's going on with the CFL and the XFL and other sports as well. Sometimes it's interesting to get his viewpoint on what's happening in the NHL because he's in Regina and they see it maybe just a little more balanced than uh, in a market that actually has a team. But uh, great talking with Roddy today, and we appreciate his time. The Outsiders brought to you by the McIntosh Group at REMAX River City. Uh, chatting with Brent last week, he's uh, really, really pumped up right now because the the property values in Edmonton are on the rise. And he says if you're a first-time home buyer or even an investor or, or somebody looking to sell their current home, he says now's a really good time to jump in and make an upgrade because the value, the way the spring market prices are going, he says if you purchase a home now, it could be worth more than what you paid by the time you even take possession on that house a month or two from now. But if you'd like some more information, get a hold of Brent. And uh, his phone number is real simple. It's 780-464-0075. You can also find them online at macintoshgroup.ca. And you make sure you tell them where you heard it from. Make sure you tell them that the outsider sent you. Okay, any final statement from you before we wrap things up today, Robin? No, that was fun. It's always good when Rod comes with the hammer and he usually tells you what he thinks and nothing different about him today. Hey, one thing we didn't touch on either. At this time last week, we had a comment from Joey Decord from the Ottawa Senators on very excited, very emotional about his first NHL win, lower body injury done for the season. I felt so bad for the kid when I heard that news because he just, he looked so, so pumped up. The team was on a bit of a run. They've certainly been making life quite miserable for other teams. If you're not ready to play the Ottawa Senators, they'll beat you. It's pretty simple. And uh, a few teams have, uh, with the exception of the Edmonton Oilers, a few teams have really uh, felt uh, the wrath of the Senators. But it just seems like there's a team, as we head into next weekend, the Oilers are playing Toronto, who they the last time they played, that was the team that they were struggling with. So every team's kind of got their team. But I felt very sorry for... Uh, for uh, Decord hearing about his injury. So uh, I hope the kid's going to be okay. It was a great opportunity for him and certainly a lasting memory. That's about it for me. I don't have too much more to say. Oh, one last thing. The Daryl Sutter thing, is that going to wear off? Well, you always get a bounce when a coach comes in, but Daryl Sutter is not going to change just when that bounce ends. He knows how he wants his team to play hockey, and they're going to have to play that hockey that way. Um no, I don't think he wears off. Daryl wants this team to play a certain way. That's what's going to happen. He's going to walk into that room, Robin, and say, Hold on to your lug nuts. It's time for an overhaul. Yeah, that's exactly what he's going to say. Robin, <laughs> we'll talk to you again next week, okay? You sure will. All right, thanks, everybody. Have a great week. Storm in the castle. <laughs>